What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Creed of Crypto live stream. I was doing that on purpose to catch All right. it. Uh, welcome in. It is Broke Boy Crypto doing some acapella work there for you guys, as well as Crypto Ewok, my friend and co-host. we got a big one for you tonight. You don't see him yet, Dip Catcher, but apparently he's going to be dipping in here in about a half an hour or so. Just trying to get things uh, coordinated with him time-wise today. As you can imagine, a very busy guy. He's got all those gophers standing around him saying, hey, boss. You know, what what direction do we take next um, for these bazillion X gains that are coming? So, um, yeah, we're going to talk to him here in a bit. And we are very excited for that. The ERC 404s, um, you know, talk about those as a technology, basically the tokens on ETH, the tokens on Pulse Chain. If it could be a you know huge narrative here, this coming bull cycle uh, so it has a lot of people excited so far. So we're going to get into that. And a whole bunch more. We have a lot of Pulse Chain ecosystem things, of course, to cover tonight. Uh, before we do that, Ewok, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing wonderful, man. But I, I worry about some of these people in the community that are capitulating, man. Uh, we made it through the hard part of the bear cycle. Things are starting to look up. And I'm just seeing them, you know, really complaining that they're not happy with the gains that they've received so far. Uh, they see things around that are pumping a little bit and they... You know, I, I just see a lot of people capitulating at this point. And, uh, you know, we're getting some of those other weekends out that we were kind of waiting for, I guess. But, yeah, I, I worry about them. You, you know, unfortunately, that's part of the the psychological effect of crypto on people. Um, we'll have to see how it plays out for them. I, I, yeah. I really, really hope they don't, you know, sell their whole bag and in hopes that they move to something else and, have to buy back higher. That's always the hardest. That's always the hardest pill to swallow. So it's been a fascinating couple of days. I agree with you because we saw this downturn here in the pulse chain ecosystem over the last, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours um, where, you know, kind of the first time we've seen things move down um, again, I don't even want to say aggressively or anything, but basically red candles for a day or two. And yeah, you saw the attitude change and shift big time um, if you were on Twitter. But if you weren't, uh, you probably didn't even notice anything. Um, you know, So if you've got hex stakes and things like that, and you've got a long-term vision like we do and always talk about and preach on this show, um, it probably didn't affect you too much. So um, just shouting some people out. Daddy Hexler, relaxed be relaxing music. Uh, hookers and cocaine, DeCoin. I love it. Uh, he's all about gophers, it looks like. Uh, Min Lu. We got a lot of people pouring into here. So uh, hit the like if you guys are joining us now. We do this every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We bumped it up to 7 tonight to try to accommodate Dip Catcher and uh, get, get out to all you guys. So we appreciate you being here early with us. Um, first off, we're just going to tackle some stuff until he does arrive. First off, just looking at what we typically do with Bitcoin and Ethereum, seeing where things are. And BTC, man, still just holding really strong. Uh, and I mean really strong. It's up over 52K now. Um, at this moment, we're at 52.3 for BTC, it looks like. ETH up over 3K now, which is insane. I mean, it, it, I, I'm really shocked by this. Now, I'm not saying that these moves are like so parabolic and we've never seen this before in crypto. Nothing like that. But you and I were just talking in the green room, Ewok. Um, we've talked about this for weeks, um, you know, expecting this market to take a bit of a plunge back down, at, at least at Bitcoin anyway into the 30k area 35 may even get to that lowest level of support about 32k um we've been saying it for weeks and we have only seen it do the opposite which I, i've continued to be surprised by it's showing a lot of strength we're going to get into that from a couple of different angles taking a look at what um uh 
four-year cycle guy, uh, Bob Lucas and Hex Hater, of course, um, was talking about with Bitcoin the other day. He was commenting on the insane strength of it now, too. But I'm in shock still. I mean, I just can't believe we're still at these numbers. It definitely seems like we're going to be hitting a wall soon and start to see this pullback. But what do you make of it? Because I know we've kind of been on the same page with this. Yeah, um, I was watching something earlier today. Um, and one of the guys was talking about how things before the halving happens, um, they usually have this run up, which which it's doing. Uh, but then they also have a sell off. And, you know, a lot of times it, if you look at the RSI, which um, is down here and it gets over 70, it means it's really overbought um, at this point and it's starting to roll over. Now, it is still looking very, very strong. So I don't know when that happens. But if you go back even to the uh, the previous cycle where it got, you know, it got pretty strong as well and then rolled over. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that's kind of, here's another example of it happening, rolling over again and falling so I, I think that's kind of what we're seeing. It, it is very overbought for uh, Bitcoin. It's also quite overbought for Ethereum as well at this point. Um, and I think in that cycle, where was it? Uh, right in here where, you know, it, it, it did its rise and then sold off. And then the real bull run, you, you know, finished out. And yeah, I think that's where we're at at this point. You know, we are still expecting a pullback. Things are still looking strong. Is it because of the ETFs and all the everything around it? You know, who knows? Um, is there, there's probably a lot more manipulation happening than than previously, too. So, you know, that's one of those things you have to figure in. But as of right now, still looking strong. But this RSI is starting to roll over here. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I, I wouldn't get too anxious as it goes much higher uh, before we do see a pullback before the halving. Yeah, I think we're going to run up against it here pretty soon. I mean, for Bitcoin to be like this this steadily above 50K right now, and I know we're off the news of the ETF and all that, but I mean, that, that's been a while. Um, I don't know how much that's affecting the, this market right now, but it just feels like we're definitely due for some pulling back here shortly. So um, we'll continue to follow, obviously. Looking at the Pulse Chain ecosystem. So yeah, we, we saw this pretty healthy dip down over the last day or so. Um, I'd say maybe the the most aggressive one we've had since getting Pulse back up above SAC rate here um, within the last month or so. Um, but yeah, healthy dip into yesterday. And we already mentioned, I mean, the sentiment on Twitter just with one day, just one day turns on a freaking dime, um, you know, just with a couple of red candles, anxiousness, kind of anger all over the place from people. Um, and this is... We'll look at the charts first, and then I have a question for you, Ewok, about like what we saw from Hex and how many big dips there was for Hex in the midst of its first bull cycle last time around that I know that you can provide some good insight on. But first off, let's just take a look at uh, Pulse if you want to go to that chart. I mean, we have Pulse right now sitting at uh, three zeros, one, three, six. Pulse X is still right at about 50% down off of the SAC rate. And we've got the combined hexes at about 2.7 cents right now. So 2.6, 2.7. So we're pretty much um, not way too far off of where we were. I mean, it's, you know, a, 
that's what I don't get. I mean, it was like a modest dip and people just seem like the, the sky is falling for some yeah. reason. I don't, I don't know if it's maybe the timing of this that like maybe, you know, we're deep into February now. It's like, Hey, we're only a couple of months until the Bitcoin having like, what is going on? This isn't supposed to be happening this late in the game, but as we're going to talk about in a moment, that is going to happen. And it's going to happen throughout the, the bull market as well. But uh, taking a look at pulse here, I mean, still looks good to me. I mean, what are you seeing here? You walk, taking a look at the pulse chain chart. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, put this one up because it's a little easier to navigate um yeah i mean we're still seeing um higher lows so mm -hmm. step up pull back step up pull back not as hard um i, I see this trend continuing I, I don't see anything bad or bearish about it um as we said before this is healthy um to have some red candles after you get five six green you know in a row to have a nice little sell-off uh people are gonna play zones there's you know these channels that we know that the traders are playing um but they're gonna get exhausted and the the big sellers are are getting out that's what this it just looks healthy to me so i i'm not seeing anything bad or negative um it, it, to me it just looks like a healthy up chart that's that's having its series of pullbacks and you mentioned it earlier just like hex did in the beginning so yeah mm -hmm. looks good yeah i think we're still pretty much right in line um i i really don't get i guess i know we keep saying it i'm just confounded at the amount of people that are upset um over this last day i i what do you make of it just being a timing thing because i don't think it's we didn't see that big of a percentage of a drop really um i think that this might just be timing that people are now getting you know Sami always talks about he's been talking about this concept like jealousy rage and stuff like that like people mm -hmm. are seeing these other coins um some of them shit coins they're all shit coins who cares but i mean like seeing different things run off and being like why are we still down here like why isn't this ecosystem gone yet like i was here for the fourteen thousand x you know and all this stuff um yeah. do you think it's just that because i mean we are now in an yeah. environment where it's not everything is just down only and we're you know, people would pick on Hex in the bear market. And it's like, dude, I mean, look around. You know what I mean? But now, it, yeah, it, people are seeing some of these other tokens fly. Objective protocol was one that was really crazy over the last few months. Um, and then some lesser ones, memes and stuff like that. Even some within the own, you know, Pulse Chain ecosystem. And some people are pissed, like, why aren't why aren't we pumping? So, yeah, what do you make of that? Because it seems like a timing thing. And just seeing that other sure. things are starting to pop off now. Well, yeah, I mean, so, you know, that's what happens when a layer one gets developed. And especially when you've got over 200 now projects and coins and um, mini subsets of community uh, that came from basically the same community. You know, you've got a lot of stuff that's getting so diluted. Um, and unless you hear about one of these coins that get launched at the time it's launched, you know, you are going to miss out on a 10, 15 X probably because that's how the liquidity is placed and so thin that it is going to run up right away. So, yeah, they're getting angry, probably some jealousy involved. Uh, and, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you're going to start jumping from coin to coin. If you do that, you're going to lose all kind of positions. Yeah. So it is it is frustrating and I get it. Um, but the best thing to do sometimes is nothing at all. Um, you know, time will definitely be on your side in the long run. If you have faith, if you don't have faith, man, you probably should be here. Like, you know, I think some people are here just because of the, 
um, history of what happened in the first cycle with Hex, thinking that everything in this ecosystem was going to do the same thing and quickly. Uh, but what they don't realize is what we went through to get to that part. <laughs> you know, it was a very long ride up with a lot of pullbacks and a lot of questions. And um, even the FUD was even worse at that point from the outside world. I think some of that has eh, tapered off a little bit anyway. Uh, you know, now that we do have a layer one and we have projects that have come over and lots of builders and, uh, you know, that our time will come, but it, it's just a matter of being patient. And I, I think people just don't have patience. You know, that that delayed yeah. gratification is is nowhere to be found for a lot of people. They want it. They want it now. And if they don't get it, they're going to cry like a little baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I think you're right. And you had a good segue there because you talked about like just expecting kind of what happened in the last uh, bull cycle with Hex. So talk about that because we're not even really there into like the euphoric, you know, crazy, crazy pumps of Pulse Chain. I mean, we're not at all there. I mean, we we haven't really seen anything. I mean, <laughs> all we've seen is a retrace of the um, scam wick down from back in uh, late July, really. But talk about how many times in Hex's first bull market last cycle – we saw it go up so crazily, so parabolically, and had multiple 60, 70, 80 percent drops on like holding back a belch. So sorry about this. Um, but you know, we saw these like crazy dips in the last bull cycle for hex. So if people are already right now pulling their hair out, kind of looking at other tokens and stuff like that, where could they be, you know, if we see that kind of volatility here in this bull cycle that is similar to what hex did last cycle? Right. So I'm going to start this, and I, I don't know how if, well it's going to be able to be seen, but, you know, we did this pretty crazy dip when Hex launched as well. You know, mm. it took a hard, this is the first, this is launch date here on December, well, this is from the 15th, um, so it actually started up in here somewhere, it even was back on the 3rd. So it did fall, you know, it fell really hard. Let's Let's measure this, this very first dip. You know, even down to the bottom, 81%. And that, like I said, doesn't really include the first couple days. So, mm. you know, you've got that. And then as time went on, this dip became so minuscule because of that first run-up. You know what I mean? Right. And then, you know, from there, it, it ran up and it it did seven, <laughs> 760% 7x, you know, from, yep. the, from that bottom. And then it continued and it fell again and it dipped. And, you, you know, and as it, as this happens, look how these things become almost irrelevant when you look exactly. at exactly, you know, you've got this back here, that's only this big and now you're all the way up here. So that's kind of where we're at in this part of the cycle. And people don't realize that, you know, as, as things go on, you know, obviously it topped out up here around, Oh, wait, that's not even the top. So it continued to do that. And like I said, this gets smaller and smaller back here. Yeah. So, you know, from from New Year's, we made it the whole way to two cents. And then it pulled all the way back down to, you know, six tenths of a penny. You know, and then so all these drops, all of these drops, all of these run ups, all of the, it did it. You know, if you count one, two, three, four, five, um, here's six, 
Here's seven. Yeah. Eight, nine. <laughs> you know, there's 10. So it probably dipped 11 times. And each one of those were anywhere between 35 and 85% each time. Crazy. So that's kind of the thing that you have to get used to as this runs up. And that is healthy. I mean, you know, once a whale or two buys in to a position, it never seems to come back to that level. And this was one of those prime examples right here. You know, it it, it pissed around in here for quite some time. It dipped, it went back up, and then a whale bought. Boom, right here. And we mm. never came back to that three zero six level ever again, you know. So even to this day, it's never, never came back. So, you know, again, you're going to have to withstand some of those on, on the way up, if, especially if you want the market to be healthy. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's part of part of growth. It's part of uh, onboarding new community um, as people get in and some of the larger whales get out. It, it's better because it takes a lot of that big block of, of tokens and it divides it into smaller hands where people are going to be, um, you know, more diamond handed with them. They're, they're not going to part with it for just a two X, mm-hmm. you know, but the people that are selling the larger chunks, maybe they made four or five X already and it's their time to get out and that's fine. Uh, but what it does, it redistributes it into a lot more hands. You know, you may see a hundred sales and 350 buys um, and, and your price doesn't do anything. Well, that's great because now you're redistributing it into, you know, a, a larger subset of people. So yeah, it just makes it all, all the better for, for the, for the coin, for the, the progress of it and everything else, man, it's just, it's healthy. And I get frustrated when I see people that, that don't like big dips. I understand, you know, but it, it it's gotta happen. Yeah, it's tough. It's very tough along the way. And um, yeah, I think that's a great illustration. Hex may be better than anything to see what it did last cycle and just how many crazy downturns there were. So we're not even really at that point yet again. So, um, you know, this is more of a time capitulation, I think, that we're seeing from some people right now. So we'll continue to monitor it. I mean, you and I are, of course, still long and strong on everything. Um, I'm interested in DCing into Pulse, PulseX, Hex, everything in this ecosystem, your alt or meme coin in the ecosystem of of, uh, choice. I saw uh, we had some talk about Teddy Bear there from Patrick a minute ago. So, um, yeah, whatever you're into, basically, uh, we, we still have prices that are for buying. And keep in mind, I mean, we've been talking about this a lot, too, with these prices being down. Like, there will be a time when the train truly leaves the station to where, you know, you may be thinking like even as we sit here right now, I'd say there's at least a consensus that many people are hoping, expecting at the top, at least like a 30 X on their holdings of this ecosystem from here or something like that. Um, there's going to be a time where, you know, you're down to maybe it's a four X or something and you have capital on the sides and it's like, do I really want to deploy at this point, you know, if um, maybe there isn't that much room left to run? So that's why we've just preached, like, putting in everything that we possibly can at these yeah. prices. And, uh, you know, pretty much why I've been on a rice and bean diet now for the better part of three years. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's just kind of where we are. So Well, and we haven't even had that pullback that we're talking about. You know, alt mm-hmm. season has not begun. Um, you know, people are still riding Bitcoin up. They're riding Ethereum up. Uh, once that does have its pullback, I think that's when you really will see 
altcoins start to uh, do a little bit better on the charts. So, you know, there will be people getting back into Bitcoin, but until it pulls back, they're going to they're going to jump into all kinds of stuff. So don't be surprised if when that happens, you know, you do see a little run up and um, it takes you by surprise. It could be that run up that I was talking about where a whale has a lot of capital to deploy. Um, and, and if you're waiting for something, you might get left behind. Yeah. Amen. Yep. We're still there and uh, still buying right now. So um, if you guys are enjoying the stream, do us a favor and hit the like. We are waiting on Dipcatcher, who should be here hopefully within about 10 minutes or so uh, to talk some gophers, some ERC-404 tokens, and of course, Pool Party, which he also just launched as well. A new way to do pooled hex stakes. So we're going to get into that. Real quick, a big topic over the last couple of days. I am pivoting here a little bit because um, it makes sense to cover now. And you just kind of mentioned it, Ewok, um, talking about whales and buying. Uh, with whales and selling. So we have talked a lot about Bank X. A lot of people have as far as them as an entity with their uh, algorithmic silver stable coin. Um, just the other day, it's funny. We had a, a clip from our stream last week pop up on the channel just the other day. Um, and we were talking about why identifying Bank X, knowing that Bank X is out there and how much hex they have to apparently sell. Um, and all this stuff is a good thing, like just that awareness, uh, because on a lot of these other blockchains, you don't know, like it just kind of hits you in the face. There are token unlocks that are scheduled and come out. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're in Solana, Polygon, Matic, Arbitrum, Optimism, some of these other things, you're going to get dumped on kind of without even knowing it. There's just going to be like huge, huge dumps from VC, you know, venture capitalists that got into prices that you never even saw before. We don't have that here. We bought the lows literally on Pulse Chain uh, that no, you know, we all had a chance to do. But um, people get butthurt about Bank X and the fact that they have what seven hundred million EHEX and you know are looking to sell it apparently and all these things. Knowing that we, knowing them and being able to identify them is already something that we have in our advantage. But we saw the news the other day that they did put up a sell wall, it looks like, with about half of their remaining stacks, so 350 million EHEX for sale. I, I don't, and you'll be able to help me with this a little bit, Ewok, but I know it was between one and two cents. I don't know if it was just like different orders at different times, I'm assuming. I don't know. Uh, Access Alive, I think, kind of broke the news on this or was looking at the on-chain stuff. Um, so fill in the blanks for me a little bit as far as like how, how much they definitely have sitting out there on limited orders for sale, what the prices might be. And what are they exactly planning here? We'll get into like more details, but what, what do you make of this? Because we've talked about for a while, like just get them out. Like anybody that has, you know, is not planning on holding long-term, if we know they're not going to, the sooner the better, just get them out of here. Um, but what do you make of uh, this and what other details can you add to them putting up these uh, cells here? Yeah, so they, they did an approval for 350 million um, hex to sell because when you provide liquidity you have to you know obviously give it permission to sell your tokens when you set a limit order because it kind of holds them in play um what they did i think what i saw was there was five different ranges that they had set um each one being a single-sided liquidity uh basically between the range of one cent and i think it was two and a half cents or so um so they broke that up into, you know, like 70 million each um, on each range, essentially. 
So as the price moves up, you're eating through the liquidity. You're basically buying it from them um, instead of like a market buy. So in turn, what that does is it doesn't dump the price. Um, so they could just do one big sell. Not only would they um, sell it all at once, but they would get hit with a very large slippage right. um, as they bought because the buy orders are just not enough to fill that kind of quantity at this point. Um, so they, they did it the smart way. Um, they also did it in a way that doesn't wreck the price. Now, you know, there are people on both sides and say, man, I just wish they would have dumped it and got rid of it and been gone. Um, and in, in that sense, you would have t gotten a, a hell of a deal probably, you know, cause it could have put it way down to that point where I said, we never saw that level again. Um, right. it, it could have put it into that range. I do think it would have been bought up extremely quickly. Um, and the only reason I say that is because of what happened today, but we'll, we'll go there in a minute. Um, so they, they, they took it, they broke it up into five different rates, uh, five different ranges. Um, so as the price goes up, it's going to have to get bought through. Now, here's the one thing that I'm not sure of is if the majority of hex is tied to ethereum's price and ethereum happens to rocket um it will pull hex up with it right mm. uh, is there any chance that it bypasses any of these cell walls because of the price of ethereum um that i don't know and it's an interesting question um to pose to somebody like axis would probably know uh best but do you, do you understand what i'm saying yeah yeah, so, just the just the liquidity and yeah, the fact that it is on ETH and if because that's the way it's always gone. I mean, for all coins on Ethereum, like when Ethereum starts to fly, which right now it's doing all right. I mean, it's right. over three K now. If we say if we see it go to like thirty five hundred push to four K, I mean, now you're now people are going to be talking about new all time highs for Ethereum because exactly. that was what forty eight hundred or something five K. Yep. I remember yep. because I bought it like an idiot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, people are going to be starting to talk about that. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like. I think no matter what, because those huge cell walls are going to be there. I mean, you can't just overcome that easily. But I think that, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if we are seeing ETH do that, I think that it would be an easier time of it anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just think it would bypass it because the value instantly is transferred over to everything that it's tied to. Um, and because those walls are so not thin in volume, but thin in price, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's only going to two and a half cents. If if something magically makes hex go to three cents, it bypasses their entire cell wall um, and mm -hmm. never gets filled. And I, I think that is a possibility. Um, I, I do think um, Mr. Chink said it too. And I was just going to say this, I, I think they're going to regret it. I think, but you know, maybe they have other intentions for the, for the money that they want to get out of it, whatever it might be. Um, but either way, they're doing it without hurting the price, which, you know, like I said, some people are happy, some people are not. Um, I, I, I could go either way with it; it doesn't matter. Uh, but but we did talk about this and tell them to set single sided orders so that you know if they wanted out and, and they listened. So apparently they're paying attention to what's going on. Now with what happened today on Mex C, which is a centralized exchange, mm -hmm. uh, somebody went in there and sold twenty five, twenty six million in in one order. And essentially tanked the price, but luckily there was a whale or somebody sitting over there, and it bought right back up within 
the same candle essentially hmm. i didn't see so that. yeah it, it dipped pretty heavily and then it actually went back up and then it evened itself back out to the the regular price the liquidity is very thin over there there is not much at all so you know when you sell 26 million hex it's gonna hurt it bad so the the guy took quite a bit of slippage over there as well so you know good to see it got right bought right back up that was that was nice to see and you know we carry on yeah i mean i i think again it's a positive that we even know who this entity is and um yeah who knows as far as like will they regret it i mean maybe they have plans for like a copper um you know algorithmic stable coin or something like that i don't know we'll have to see how that goes but <laughs> um yeah it's it is what it is it's going to be there it's not going to go away so you might as well just welcome it and get it done sooner rather than later i would much yeah. rather have that well the um, other thing i saw too was a lot of people that re were requesting that the god will buy it back um, right at these prices i'm not sure what level he sacrificed at i don't i don't know those statistics i don't know when that sacrifice was or what the price was um but it might be a a good offer on on his side if he still believes in it which i think he does you know he still holds the pulse chain side um he still holds quite a bit um maybe he's not looking to increase his position at this time but you know i've, I've seen a lot of people suggest that maybe he should just eat up that wall and and be done but that only puts them at halfway out. Um, I, I want them to kind of suffer a little bit. And, yeah. and, you know, people that Masochist. put, yeah, people that put that much liquidity up at one time, um, maybe they're not in a hurry. Maybe they are. I don't know. But if it takes a while to eat through it, they could get impatient, pull it and, and do something different. So I think that's our, our next kind of experiment to see. How are they going to react? Are they going to are they going to be patient? Are they going to let it fill, um, or are they going to get impatient and pull it and just dump? So, mm -hmm. you know, there's there there is still a chance of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something that we're going to continue to hear about. I mean, just bottom line. But it, for the people that it is stressing out, I mean, I, I would literally have the total opposite reaction. Like you, you have identified who it is. You know who it is. You know how much they have. I mean, these are all variables that you just would not have on another blockchain like there's just no way you would be able to see this stuff yeah. so uh or this specific of stuff anyway so um yeah not worried about it and we'll continue to buy the dip if it does dip whenever that happens so um it is out there uh let's go anyway have you uh, have you been checking do we have any word from dip catcher here yet or should we move on to our next topic here uh, if maybe he's said anything i haven't here. checked but he said he would join us so no no message okay, okay. um Let's go here. So if he comes in in the middle of it, that's fine. So going back to somebody who, speaking of Hex and uh, somebody who wants to sell it and doesn't like it, let's talk about Bob Lucas. Now, he's never really shorted Hex or anything to our knowledge, even though he is a Hex troll and will, you know, every now and then for engagement farming, tweet about Hex. And we had this discussion before we went on the air. But like one thing about Bob Lucas is, I mean, he is a good um as good as you could be anyway, I guess, trader. And I'm, I am interested in his insights on the Bitcoin four-year cycle. Uh, not interested in like his thoughts on like DeFi and the rest of crypto. He's been pretty hypocritical with a lot of stuff too, like used to shit on NFTs and then he had his own or Bitcoin ordinals and stuff. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Take all these different people and these personalities you see, take away what they're good at. Just ignore the rest. That's what I've kind of uh, realized over the years with some of these people. 
But I do like what he says with his four-year cycles, and he did just release a new like 40-minute video a week ago today um, where he was talking about um, what the chances are that we're going to see this early left-translated cycle, which many people have been talking about, especially with this early approval of the Bitcoin ETF. And, you know, could we see an earlier Bitcoin top like this year, um, you know, middle of the year, fall, something like that, where we do see Bitcoin go to like 80K or something really quickly, not, you know, uh, not a year after the halving like we're used to or anything, but just way sooner than that. So he kind of broke down the scenarios of the likelihood of that left translated cycle happening versus a more traditional longer you know into 2025 maybe we get a couple of tops maybe deep into 2025 blow off top at the end the thing that we're more used to you know um what i will say is he sounded incredibly bullish overall um which uh, again take or leave his thoughts on some things outside of bitcoin in the four-year cycle I, I am interested in his thoughts and like, you know, if he's bullish on the way things look right now, I, I have value in that. And I, I distinctly remember Bob Lucas um, buying Bitcoin in tranches when we recovered off of the 15K number and we're at about 17K. He was comfortable pretty much calling the bottom when, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. right now. You can look back and say, oh yeah, well, that was easy to see. Well, you have the foresight of the chart. He didn't at the time. So, I mean, you know, he, he had the savvy to pretty much like, feel confident as to where the bottom was at the in the bear market so um but he was just really bullish on the overall strength of the market like we talked about at the top of the show we walk bitcoin's still pushing through 50k right now um and he buys this narrative of the big money being in these etfs um and seemed to give equal weight basically to the left translated cycle again or the traditional one that we get um he said not enough evidence to say one way or the other yet, but preferred, of course, the traditional, which I think most of us would want, um, where, you know, we still have some DCA time right now. 2024 is a green, pretty bullish year, but 2025 is when things get like really insane. Uh, he he has said this before, and I was still I'm still surprised by it, but he thinks BTC is going well over 100K uh, in either scenario. Um, didn't necessarily give an exact number. He was more looking at time, which really is his like specialty after all. I guess my question is, you know, uh, I'm not going to necessarily like quibble with with anything he said, um, but give me your thoughts on his thoughts um, and react to it. But also. What would you prefer? Because we haven't really seen a, a left translated cycle like this before for Bitcoin. Would you prefer something where this, you know, we do get something earlier and maybe more muted, but we all get potentially paid off quicker here or a traditional bull market where we have to be even more patient than people are being right now? What, what would you prefer? I think it's more healthy if we're if we have to be patient. Um, I think the market can go a lot higher at that point um rather than you get one big blow off top and uh, you're gonna have a a lot bigger of a sell-off um and and dip catcher did say he'd be here in five minutes i just saw your yeah so um i i I prefer it it do the what it's done the past four years um and not really surprise anybody uh do anything different um and and i just think it's healthier that way i do see i still think it will go over 100k I don't know how far though. Mm-hmm. You know, originally I had said 135, 140. Um, I I don't know if it'll get that far. I, um, 
there's a lot of retail in there. And if they see those type of gains, will they sell? Um, I don't know. I know there's been five, what was the total? $5 million of just retail in the last, or maybe it was 5 billion in, in retail volume in the last couple days alone. So, you know, I, I honestly, I prefer the elongated market. I, I think being healthy, have 24 as a, you know, a slow, steady, don't do a whole lot for five, six months um, and just chop around in these ranges, but slowly increase um, over time. And then all of a sudden, boom, it takes off. Um, next thing you know, you're into 25 and we have our, our major run up. And that's pretty much the top toward the end of 2025. So I, I just, again, I think it, I think it is healthier that way. Um, I don't want to see something too early. I would, you know, will because the last time we saw the, the double top, right. It topped out at yeah. 60, 65 and then it did a, you know, it did another wick up to 69 and had nothing left and it nice. just died. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm too, I'm with you. I mean, I definitely prefer the the traditional cycle. I think that anybody really should, because it's what we're used to. Um, yeah. it shows that you have more time and a, a lot of times talking about the left translated cycle, the, the top isn't as high as you really want it to be. So, um, and who knows? I mean, there's been people also talking about like with a left translated cycle, you know, getting that early kind of top out, but then maybe later the bull market extends maybe slightly into 2026 and we get like a new, slightly newer high or something. But either way, yeah. that's that's all stuff that it's even harder to plan for because we haven't seen it before. So right. that's why I think the best thing, kind of like we were saying at the top of the show, is just like DCing as heavily as humanly possible right now yep. uh, and that for the whole last couple of years like we have been um, before these kind of moves happen. But right. um I, I came away just encouraged at how bullish he seemed. And I get it. I mean, I don't know how, like we were saying there, looking at the Bitcoin chart, how could you not be looking at this strength? I mean, say what you will, like, oh yeah, it's because, you know, it's just this temporary ETF thing. It is not doing what I thought it would do right now. Um, and that's cool. But yeah. I, we also want like more of an alt season too. So, <laughs> um, well, you know, yeah. we do want to see the gains obviously, but I, I, again, I'm perfectly fine waiting until 25 till it happens so yes yeah Yeah. definitely um yeah so if you aren't familiar with bob lucas again uh i would say that his takes on hex ain't worth a shit but i think he really just does that for engagement um he is good as far as the four-year cycles so um check him out definitely has some good thoughts and uh yeah he was bullish for sure so apparently we are on the verge of dip catcher being here maybe we should just have a uh, little preliminary conversation um just just about this so um anybody in the chat like so go ahead and any questions you have about gophers erc404s um get them in there we'll we'll ask them to dip catcher as well but you walk and pool party for that matter and yeah and pool party i keep forgetting it just because you know there's not a cool associated you know stack of gopher picks to go with pool party (laughs) um although there are gopher picks uh at the pool i have seen pictures of those um but yeah, I what what do you make of this ERC four hundred four technology though? Just asking you because I mean we we now have the ability to like buy partial NFTs. I know some people are still like, oh, you know, it's bullshit, it's shitty JPEGs, whatever. It's that whole thing that we always go back to, where it's like, okay, yeah, you can think it's dumb, maybe it is dumb, I don't know, 
But if a market collectively decides that there is value to it and they're they're running to it, then I would like to be there before the rest of them get there. You know, yeah. and to me, while you know I'm not necessarily interested in committing like a lot of money to any of these things yet, um, I mean we haven't seen much get launched in the way of ERC 404s. We saw the stuff happen with Pandora on Ethereum and some of the things that they're doing, and then right on the heels of that, right away. Dipcatcher um, started putting out these gophers on ETH and then on Pulse Chain. Um, so I understand it, but I mean, to me, at the very least, it's worth getting an investment in it. And I did do that. I bought the local top, and now they're down below $900, I think, on Pulse the last I looked um, as far as gophers. So I'll have to like rattle the cage with uh, Dipcatcher on that, tell them to get the price back up. But um, yeah, what do you make of the technology overall, Ewok? And do you really think that this could be something that is? a um you know main narrative for crypto in this bull cycle well i think it'll definitely be a, a one of the narratives i i mean i still think you know unfortunately i think ai coins are probably going to do something um i i don't know much about like I, i'm not i've just never been a huge nft guy you know um kind of what Richard has always said is, you know, they're, they are JPEGs um, loosely tied to a, you know, a serial number and, you know, whether they're still hosted on the, on, on the internet or on the blockchain or whatever that to be able to see them is another question. So they'll always be on the blockchain, but to, to, be, to be able to see that JPEG is, is something interesting. And, you know, yeah. It leads to a broader discussion of how how high can they go? Well, you know, I think Dipcatcher set the liquidity in a very interesting way, and we'll get to talk to him about that um, to keep these things at a certain floor, and it, you know, it makes it very price positive. So, yeah. In fact, the 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 star of the show has just uh, entered the building. So let's. Looks bring like in. he is in the house. Uh, Hex girl, we are going to answer your question. We'll have Dipcatcher here do it in a moment, I think, and kind of break it down even further but uh yeah if you want to go ahead and bring him up there he is mr dip catcher hey, what's, what's going, going on, on man is my sound all right yep sounds good. good man you've been quite the elusive guy over the last couple of days which understandably <sighs> so i mean you got all these gophers kind of barking up your tree and uh you know needing direction you know you got to provide them direction so tell us just real quick anyway i mean how's the last week or so been i mean like this this stuff has just like seemingly come out of nowhere yeah, I mean, it's it, it kind of has in a way. Um, it's been a lot of a lot of fun, fun. Um, getting to do what I love to do, which is just make stuff and talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to you, I guess to us, it seems like it's all totally come out of nowhere because we didn't know about it. But as we've kind of heard from you, I watched your stream with Gold Key the other day. Um, you know, this was percolating kind of in the background for a while, um, it seems like. So before we get into like how you came up with the idea for Gophers, like what, what we're doing right now and everything, can you tell us a little bit about like your background with coding and stuff like that? And, you know, what it, what interested you in like creating some of these perpetuals and stuff around Hex over the last few years? And then kind of what brought you eventually into looking into these, the newer types of tokens in the ERC-404s? Yeah, so um, I guess I was never really interested in technology or anything until I got into college. Um, and then in college, I did, did aesthetical engineering. Um, but I've always kind of 
didn't just want to be like another engineer in the cog. Um, so when I was leaving college, I started working on um, the first startup that I ever launched. And so that was me and Golkey's first product that we ever launched. And it was a, it was like the first 3D virtual reality app on iPhone for sharing 3D virtual reality content. Um, mm. This was in 2016 when we first launched that. And it was a, I think just way, way ahead of its time, way too hard to get customers. Um, so that was our first kind of foray into building stuff. Um, and that's what actually got us into crypto because we got funding from a company that was a crypto company because we were um, actually trying to integrate content monetization into our app. Um, like, you know, where you can be incentivized to create content and stuff. And so um, we ended up shutting that app down for uh, after about a year or so because it was just too hard to get customers. At that time, people weren't trying to VR content. Everyone was going into like TikTok stories was just coming out on Instagram. So just social this is a hard space to crack. So we shut that down and we started working on a, um, at a legal, at a legal tech that was like a little bit further than where we got, we got, you know, kind of, kind of far with our app, but then we joined this other startup and, uh, worked there for a while. And just all that time, that was kind of when Hex was coming about. And, um, so we just kind of, just kind of got into Hex and the community. And, um, so, I had just time been, you know, learning how to code, like doing that VR app was really the first time I ever coded. So, um, that was how it started just doing startups. And then, um, the stuff with the perpetuals was, um, more, more out of trying to solve a direct problem that was really amplified when, um, Ethereum had an upgrade. And the result of the upgrade was that certain types of, interactions with storage and the contracts so reading data from the contracts was going to suddenly cost three times as expensive as much gas yeah. and that type of function was the function that hex staking calls so it became very clear at that time because it by then it had been like two or three years of stakes were coming out and then the stakes were just shockingly expensive it was a combination of high ETH mm -hmm. price high gas price and then the gas for ending a stake um suddenly increased by three and that function is pretty gas intensive from how it calculates the yield over the whole yeah. stake. Um, that was where the, the first concept of the stake pools came from was just trying to solve that problem because it was when I was, I, I ran the numbers and I was like, okay, at 15 years, only two max length stakes can even fit in a single block. And so in 15 years, when you see that big wave of max length stakes ending, that's going to fill the blocks, going to drive gas price even higher going to make less stakes feasible to end. And so that was really the, the the core problem that the first stake pool maxi solved, which was a 15 year stake pool. Um, so it was kind of just like more, more out, more out of that. I had first thought of that idea. It, I act, there's actually a record. If you look back at the archives of the, uh, hex at in telegram, um, I was discussing the concept of, of aftermarket for staked hex before hex even launched. So it had kind of always been there just kind of, you know, sitting there in my mind. And then I thought that it would have had happened, um, you know, so because the people that made stake wrap actually had a actually had a con some type of like stake transfer stake. And they were focusing more on the transferability. I was focusing more on the, and same with Hedron. Hedron was focusing more on the transferability. I was more mm -hmm. focusing on the reducing thousands of users into a single transaction for ending the stake instead of a thousand users to, and stake on their own and pay a fortune. So 
that was kind of the like how it took. So it was, it was an idea that was just kind of sitting there. And then it just seemed like the time was right after that gas fee really started going up. Um, and then so one day I just decided to um, figure out how to make it. So that's kind of went. I mean, it's an awesome idea. I mean, like for anybody who like, you know, cause I think we do have some viewers that like maybe weren't around as much last cycle and didn't know about maxi and stuff like that. Um, it really is a great idea because, you know, it, it can get harder and harder, especially on, you know, when we were just on ETH to like create these long-term hex stakes. And, you know, that gives you the chance to pull together. We're going to talk about pool party tonight as well, obviously, which just launched yesterday, right? Yesterday, everything's so yeah, quick. Right Sunday, now. Night. Sunday night, Sunday night. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so much to talk about. So uh, let's go to the ERC 404s real quick. So, um, and I'll have you explain this. We just had a, uh, in chat, Hex Girl just wanted to understand what they even are. We talked a little bit about them for the first time on the show last week, but when did you start like looking into these? Cause I, I heard you say that you were doing this a while ago and at least looking into the model of the technology. Um, we saw, and admittedly, I, you know, we don't know too much about Pandora on ETH, but it looks like they kind of got the ball rolling. And then I swear to God, I mean, it was only a couple of days for me even like really hearing about Pandora and what they were doing. And so all of a sudden you've got gophers launching. We see it on ETH. We see it on Pulse like a day later. So when did you start really getting interested in, in what that technology was and start? And then you can kind of explain what an ERC 404 is, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, so for, for quite some time, I've, I've always been really fascinated by the concept of, um, of like digital collectibles. Um, and I, I like digital collectibles where there's like a liquid aspect aspect to it. Like probably the first thing that was roughly related to this category was a thing called socks, which was when Uniswap first launched, they launched five, they minted 500 tokens, put them in a liquidity pool. And then they made 500 pairs of these unicorn, unicorn themes. And that was probably the only thing that actually outperformed hex in the bull cycle last year. It went from like, less than a hundred dollars to like $200,000. Um, and so wow. the, like, it went from like dollars to like even more, like, so it was on the scale of like hex is like total bottom, the to total top performance. Um, and that, that you would, you trade the, the ERC 20. And then when you would redeem the socks, the actual physical socks you put on your feet, you would burn the token. It would admit you an NFT just as like a memory, like a com commemorative thing. And then they'd mail you the socks. And so I thought that was a really cool concept where you had a token that was def was deflated because people were buying it and then um, burning it to get something else. And so at first people were, you know, were burning it to get the socks. But then because you got the NFT, when that NFT craze was really going off, uh, people were just buying it to burn it for the NFT. And so that's what really drove the price up. So that was kind of the first time I've, I've like experienced a ERC 20 token that was like kind of related to an NFT thing. So that was kind of the first inkling of that just concept, just concept. Um, actually when I was, uh, making pool party, there's an aspect of pool party where, um, there are these things called name tags and they're just NFTs related to words. Um, they're loosely related, related to an image that has the word, but they're strongly on chain related to in an immutable, mutable way to a word on chain. And so it's like zero through nine characters. You know, there are some bad words that were omitted from the available one, but it's just like basically words. And those are used as part of like a name registrar for the stake pools that launch, just so people, you know, have like have the chance to have a unique brand 
Um, so that, that was kind of the, it was just kind of an add on to that, to, to that, to just improve the stake, uh, organizer experience. But, um, so that contract actually has, it's the, you know, parties in ERC 20 token, but then with these name tags are ERC 721 NFTs and the, you know, the ERC contract is what is considered the, the owner. I think owner is a bad term for that, but it's like in, in the code, you'll see it says owner. And so the party token contract is what governs the minting of these NFTs. And so, um, and while I was building that, I was um, looking into this other token standard, which is called ERC-1155, which, which allows you under this, a single contract address to um, deploy both, both mole tokens, like, you know, ERC-20-like, and then also NFTs. So I had, and I had almost built the whole pool party system on ERC-1155, but I chose not to because I didn't want to drown it drastically the token type for something because people had already known the stake pools and those are kind of tried and true. So I didn't want to introduce too many big changes to that. So I had been actively seeking solutions for a single contract that did both ERC-20 and NFT stuff. And so just while we were waiting for the pool party audit last Friday, um, I wake up and I see uh, Golki had just made a post about ERC-404. And instantly when I saw NFT and ERC at the same time, time like, oh, like I've literally been thinking about this. And so um, then I read the Pandora code. And so I was like, oh, wow, this, this actually could be quite easy. Um, and at that time, they didn't even have a website. It was just on exchange. I'm like, okay, if you, that's usually the longest, the thing that takes the longest to build is the front end. So I'm like, okay, like, launch this and just where the, where the, the whole experience is buying it in from the decks, you know, that, that will take no time. And so from the time that I had, and I, I mean, I, I'd seen the ERC 404 stuff kind of bubbling up in conversation over the prior week, but like that was what, what really drove me to take action. So from reading that to deploying gophers was probably like maybe eight hours or so. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And I, and you know, but it's, it's very, very simple. And, and I think it's because I had already been kind of thinking on, on a concept like that. And then it was just kind of an opportunity for, so it was, you know, you know, that was kind of how that unfolded. And to answer her question about the ERC 404s, it's, you can think of it like a token that um, once you get more than one of them, you, an NFT suddenly appears in your wallet. But then when you send the token and now your balance is less than one, the NF the NFTs. So it's like holding a token that you can buy from a decentralized exchange, which generally a better experience from a buyer's perspective. Um, the market's just a little more efficient from the liquidity pool model versus the listing of NFTs like on OpenSea or other marketplaces. So um, that's believe the, the ERC-404 concept is that it's a token that acts like both in a normal token and in nft i think like the simplest way of saying it too is like just a fractional you know way to buy fractions of an nft you know like gophers for example um last i looked was about 900 on pulse but was up at 1150 or something like that the other day so you know some people especially in the last bull market with certain nfts might have just felt like i don't want to shell out x amount of money to buy one right now um but you can dca into them actually with this technology which i think is really cool um, oh yeah it's, it's yeah. it, it definitely allows people to capture the upside of demand for the NFT without having to own a full one. It, it, it could get unreasonable. Like the gophers, I mean, those gophers guaranteed 10 gazillion percent returns. So once it right. goes, <laughs> once 
be quite expensive. So yeah, and I tried to capture that number on tonight's <clears throat> thumbnail, but uh, I, I wasn't quite sure what a gazillion did. Yeah, how many like. zeros are in a gazillion? I, I did my best. Only the Gophers know. Um, did you have a follow up there, Ewok? I was going to continue with the Gopher stuff and then throw it over to you for the pool party stuff. Well, yeah, yeah I do kind of because I had a theory last week that that we were talking about on stream. Um, if you are at one and you have the minted one and you sell just a, a little bit that gets burned, you buy it back, you get a new one. Does it necessarily make it the same one or is it randomized? And could you get a completely different one? And if you did that enough, could you really end up getting a lot of the rare ones that way? Yeah. So, so basically be, because there is the, that kind of recycling, because the contract doesn't know like what your other address is. Like anytime a new address, uh, you know, has a balance, it checks, it checks and it randomly assigns at the time of uh, checking. But, um, but yeah, so the way, the way I view it is that by holding it, uh, you actually have six NFTs. And then one of them is being publicly presented on your wallet at any given time, because you could just shuffle back and forth. And that actually, I think, uh, comprises a lot of the trading volume. I think people actually like shuffling and out. Um, and so, so that, that, that's how I view it is that, that, that scarcity isn't necessarily like hard, like hard baked in. I think there are, I think there are some scarcity like in low numbers because the way that the NFTs increment, like if you recycle, you could be incrementing the IDs, but then the ones that you had in the past go away. So I think very low IDs uh, could be be very valuable, and because you can transfer them as an NFT and it retains the the um, the ID the ID in the. So the I think that there there's the scarcity isn't necessarily related to the image. I think the scarcity is probably related to the low number, and then also the scarcity. If you like do some sleuthing and look like, okay, this person got a, got the, the one that only goes for one of eight people, they got, the, got that on the try. You can kind of deduce how many times it took to arrive on that. Um, I, I think there's some scarcity in that, but there hasn't really been a premium on any of them on the, on the um, NFT marketing marketplace. And I think that's mainly because the, uh, the decks pool is just so liquid so it kind of doesn't make sense to overpay sure. on that um and so it's i think the the, the market is more um centered around the erc20 form and i think the nft part i think that's just like a fun like a fun magical experience of getting a token on a dex and then now you have an nft i think that that's just just actually really rewarding experience like sitting there even though like it, it it almost doesn't matter which image you get because you can ba you basically have all six but that mm. suspense of buying it and then waiting to see which one you got i think is actually a really really like it kind of tugs on the heartstrings a little bit um so yeah. i think that it's that's like the value of, of that really cool um these little creatures uh they were obviously tugging on your heartstrings as you were kind of creating mm. them in the background before launch I i'm just curious um you know with some of the content, like the AI picks, some of the videos, stuff like that, uh, the idea for the name, which is truly fantastic, um, which I always start to forget the acronym, uh, good old-fashioned unregistered securities. Um, how much of that was like, uh, you, how, how much work did that take before launch? Because that's kind of the, the fun stuff. Um, but did you just start creating a backlog of stuff with that before launching the token? Um, I, it was kind of just like make, make things as they're needed. Um, the, the, the name gophers for that, like with that acronym mm -hmm. that I had 
like six months ago. Yeah. Um, and like a more, like kind of a, a more serious thing. It was like, it was, the idea was like basically like an on-chain hedge fund that like, like very publicly just re refuses to comply with SEC <laughs> requirements of, you know, a normal hedge fund. So like, kind of like it was meant to really kind of poke it at, at that um, more as a joke, kind of when the like Richard stuff started going on with the, the SEC, that was when that was kind of, you know, kind of, and, um, and I, I think that now it's kind of more evolved into like a symbol of fun and also a reminder that uh, the right to choose what you do on chain, that's a human right and no one should infringe upon it. And so just because somebody, somebody, you know, has a, a law enforcement arm related to them, um, tell you that something you're doing is illegal because it's unregistered, that that defies natural law and that it's not, you know, it's not part of how, how, you know, these gophers operate. So that was kind of the, the, the more, you know, fun part. And it's like, what, these things are gophers. It's a token backed by images of gophers that wear colored glasses and and gold, gold chains, chains. yeah <laughs> kind of it's awesome. there's and some it, symbolism, I, but i think it's more more about just the fun of these little creatures and the personas that they've developed i saw one of them is already hanging out with john cena by the looks of it so that was very cool uh <laughs> yeah. as well um so this leads right into my next question here from tech dude so what went into the decision to um introduce them with really thick that's double c thick uh liquidity on both chains uh versus thin because you know a lot of people want to have that like chart that they can look back on with these like crazy parabolic gains and you know one may argue like with thicker liquidity maybe you can't see that what would, I, I think you've talked about this a little bit but you know as you kind of get out there and and people hear um what was behind all this more i think people want to know what kind of went into that decision and um do you think it is why do you think it was the right way to go for them yeah so i think that um in a lot of cases cases that when, when you see a coin that had just like a massive move but then you look at actually how many people bought and sold um it's like the chart appears to be like it went up very much but no one realized the gain and so in some ways i think it's kind of misleading to just kind of like like it's almost like i in some ways i think it's almost lying to new buyers about like the true value of the thing um and so the i guess the launch strategy of gophers was more around establishing a thick price floor uh, because once the liquidity moves through that like initial tranche of liquidity that's down basically in between the launch price and most of it was between launch price and 9x move which is still a lot like in any other market that's shocking um, oh yeah though maybe not so it, you know that most of it is in that that tranche and then it extends up to about 20x so like the and the the thinking behind that is because it, it was deployed as a v3 pool v3 pool and so it started with a bunch of gophers and then as price works its way up through that now that now that with um with pulse and so now that pulse that's sitting there that's like a strong layer of of just like demand that's just there regardless of new buyers there's just that baseline of kind of demand liquidity pool that's there and so that as like a kind of a lot of a launch like a next wave that 
um, you know, kind of just helps establish that like price floor. Because if you're a trader and you see that massive wall of liquidity, you may put your bid order slightly above it. And then people put theirs slightly above that. And so it can kind of provide a, a foundation for new buyers and buyers and traders to reference. Um, and all, I think that um, with the, a, lot, a lot of core launches, there's a cohort of users who have way lower of a cost basis than another cohort of users, even if they got in at just like from one to the next. And so having that thick liquidity at the launch, like in that launch price range, um, that just helps people um, just get a better deal. Like, you mm. know, there's so it kind of helps uh, people. One, if you're a large buyer, you're not getting any, barely any slippage. Like I think that like $50,000 buyer order is like less than 1% slippage, which mm. 50,000 in any other coins is going to double the price. Um, sure. But the with, with, with this, uh, um, just allowing more, you know, people who are actively involved in these first couple of weeks to get roughly, I mean, even though there is, there is a dispersion, you know, but most of the trading has happened between um, like six and like seven and a half, maybe closer to like four to seven, if you include that last part of that range. Um, and so most users are getting in at a pretty close price range. And I think that that just creates a little bit less overhead from like, you know, a handful of users that gobbled up the majority of the supply who then are now active sellers for years on end. So it kind of, that, that was part of it. I, I wanted more of the early adopters to get a good deal and then get, get roughly the same amount per dollar put in, dollar put in. I think you're definitely accomplishing that. Yeah. It, it, it seems more fair that way, you know? Um, and, and we've seen people do that. Like even this retracement right here, I mean, you know, what, what percent down are we really from the all time high? I mean, it's, you're really not, you know, probably maybe, yeah. And, and I think, and I think it's because that went into, because gophers was included uh, in the pool party airdrop. And so there was a lot of buying leading up to that. And so it kind of, it basically, I think by now I'll have to look a little closer at the chart. I think that it has basically just given, at least on, at least on pulse, it has given back the, the gains that were experienced from the time that the airdrop was announced to when the airdrop snapshot was taken. Hmm. That makes sense. So it's like there's basically back to where where it was before that. Pull it up on Pulse Chain here for you. There you go. There's the daily, which it's only about nine days or <laughs> something like that. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. I think you're about right. Yeah, since the announcement, it would make sense that it would kind of retrace back to there. So, um, yeah, but looking good. I mean, maybe we can consolidate here for a little while as well, um, which would make sense now that we have seen Pool Party come out. Yeah. Um, and I think I a lot of that is actually like if you click the red pulse, but like the you see at the top of the screen it says USD slash WPLS. Um, I always chart in the WPLS one because that more accurately shows the buyers and the sellers of gophers. Um, because that, that USD chart is also includes basically the price of pulse. And so gotcha. that's right. the so you kind of took the elevator up and then the stairs down, um, which which I, I, I like. I think it's probably better than taking the stairs up and the elevator elevator down. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks sure. good. Um, I had a question about the the idea too, and I really like that you did this. But like, so you launched it on Ethereum first, and then a day or two later, we get the pulse on, or yeah, the launch on Pulse. Um, was it always your plan to launch on both chains? Like, were you ever just thinking maybe just Pulse chain, or were you always going to do both? And what was your motivation for launching on ETH first? 
So they, they actually were deployed at the same time, but okay. the liquidity pool for gophers on pulse chain was actually quite difficult to set up because the the liquidity pools platforms that exist maybe there there might be more but at least the two that i know of are um nine millimeter and um a like a, a fork of the front end that alex from hedron had made um and um for some reason reason it's a it's it's a complicated technical reason but basically the um it was a lot more difficult to deploy the liquidity pool on pulse chain than ethereum it took hours and hours of work to figure out how to do that um and so that's why the ethereum one launched um first and then the pulse chain one it was it was mainly just the um just because the front ends for deploying v3 pools because the erc404 token it uh, um it kind of looked like from a smart contracts perspective that's interacting with the tokens like a dex for example from the smart contracts perspective it kind of looks like an erc20 token but it doesn't act like one and so um some of the just like the way that they work so the the step for deploying a pool it just didn't quite get along with each other there there are steps that, that had to take that required like kind of writing some code to automatically deploy the pool on pulse chain um that or that it was required and that, that was just like based on how the those for some some reason if on uniswap maybe it's a new version or something version or something pool factory but the it was just harder to do so and and the the plan is always to launch on on both chains i actually really love the blockchain aspect i think that's really pulse chain's most valuable trait is that it shares shares history ethereum um and the and like you can deploy smart contracts to both chains at the same time that have the same contract address and so um they're completely independent but they kind of live in parallel and the market kind of loosely prices in the you know, differences between the two and um so the, the i i really like the, the dual chain launch and i think that um it makes for like for like exciting dynamic because it 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 gives like a new buyer. It actually gives you a tough decision to make. And anytime there's tough decisions to make, um, I think that that's positive for price because it it just amplifies the speculative aspect of it. Of it. Um, and so, the I think that's that's big. Um, and then also, it gives people a chance to kind of act like it existed before the pulse chain fork, where you could buy both, and now you have it on both chains, and that's pretty right. cool. Um, yeah. And then also the. Um, I, th I think it can be valuable advertising for like to reach new audiences. Cause if like, like for instance, with, with pool party, which was also launched in the same way on both chains at the same time, um, the Ethereum one had crazy trading volume in those first couple hours and it was causing, um, um, causing the, you know, like it was trending like number two or three on Ethereum on deck screener. And so I think that like attracting new eyeballs, um by having assets that live on both chains even though they're fully independent um i think that that's a like that's kind of like a long-term audience audience building sure. uh, move to make there makes sense and the parity on the price is pretty close too by the way yeah go um, gophers on pulse chain basically now. went back to the gophers on eth price mm -hmm. and then the ETH, ETH one didn't go as high and it didn't dip as low slow so yeah. i think and really what that means is just just that most people that that hear, hear about this are people that are more into pulse chain than Ethereum. And that's probably where their, their money is to speculate with. So, 
pretty cool. I think the biggest thing you said, which is the the great idea of it, is the is the is the advertising thing, like launching on ETH, so you know people see that it's there and then that it mainly lives on Pulse Chain. Because that what they'll do is like that, you know, they may see some of this Gophers content on Twitter and stuff like that down the line, and then realize that like, why does it keep getting associated with Pulse Chain? Like, why am I seeing this on Pulse Chain constantly? And then they realize like, oh, okay, so this is where this guy really lives like this is where he's from you know the fees are way cheaper over there i think it is a great way to bring people over um you know and regardless i mean some people may say like well what about like all the different tokens with utility and stuff like that and this is just a <clears throat> an nft or a you know gopher or whatever um that is what will catch eyeballs in a bull market and it's going to lead into those other things too and then you know can help lead into hex can help lead, lead into understanding pool party and things like that so um, yeah i, I yeah. agree i mean i i've like the, the the new people that have now kind of entered the fold um after gophers there's like hundreds and hundreds of people that many of these people didn't even know about hex and so mm. i can tell them the people that um I've started to engage more and people that have, you know, kind of started participating in this stuff. And so it's kind of already, kind of already, I think, you know, and that's kind of the, you know, like, it's like, there, there's definitely room for the kind of more advanced, like utility stuff, but there's also room for fun. And whenever fun has powerful speculative dynamics to it, I think that that's like the, the sauce there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That's great. Um, last question, and then Ewok, I'm going to go over to you, and we'll start doing more uh, getting into pool party. Um, just where are where's your head at as far as like ERC 404s as a main crypto narrative getting into this bull cycle? Because you know, even though NFTs, you know, you could argue like, oh, this is a second cycle narrative. People have already kind of been you know at it with NFTs, and a lot of them don't have good memories because a lot of them just got completely slaughtered, um, and they don't want to come back. You know, and I've I've, I've heard kind of casual crypto people say that to me they were interested in the last cycle do you think the these erc404s could be ewok was mentioning ai earlier you know there's different narratives that we're going to see kind of come in this cycle but i mean i'm going to guess that you think that this could be a pretty damn big thing since you've spearheaded one of the first major ones here um but yeah what what do you make as far as the future of it as a technology for this bull cycle um you know price potential um all these different things and how gophers can kind of, again, hopefully kind of spearheaded and be one of the first ones created. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like the, the, there's like that second cycle narrative that it's like on one hand, it, it, it means like, obviously in the first cycle when something goes from no one knowing about it to now everyone knows about it, it's like, there's that massive gain, but there's also massive risk that goes along with that. And the way I see that, like the second cycle aspect of it is the of it is that there's like proven demand for digital collectibles on chain, um, and that it kind of tags onto that. But the major improvement with it is the liquidity aspect of it. Like with NFTs, it's like you know you could have one in a collection, and maybe like an ex like an ex a good example called hash masks, which I was familiar with, where like they had I think eight thousand eight hundred and eighty eight of these things were minted. And like eight of them had like, basically eight of them went for like a million dollars. 8,000 of them went for maybe $10,000. No, so no, 80 went for $10,000 and 800 of them went for maybe $1,000 and 8,000 of them went for nothing. So like 
the it, like the the liquidity in that is just is just not most of the liquidity goes to a small handful, which which is a good feature in its own right. Like kind of cutting right to the chase, what your gains are for that whole thing. Like in Hex, here we are waiting 15 years to see what everyone's gains relative to each other are. But I think with NFTs, it's good to just cut to the chase and like, okay, this person gets the gains from this thing. This person gets the losses. I think it actually kind of speeds things up a little bit. So I think there's definitely room for it. But I think that that's what the ERC-404 concept improves upon is that liquidity ask because the the token trading on a DEX, like that's something that I think is going to be timeless. Like that that's probably to me the biggest innovation in crypto is the concept of trustless decentralized exchanges. And so kind of combining that digital collectibles thing, which there's clearly demand for um, with the thing that is the most adopted feature in crypto really is, is the trading. Um, I think that that, that makes it where it's not just like rehashing the same old thing, trying to reach a new audience. It's like, you know, there something that is in the category that was already successful and then makes some improvement that boosts its, the financial aspect of it. And I, I think that that's why it can, it can be successful. Cool. Awesome, man. Well said. Yeah. Dex is for the win for sure. Uh, shout out Pulse X. Um, <laughs> all right, Ewok, let's get, let's get some thoughts on pool party here. Um, I'm really interested to hear about this because the second thing, in a, you know, a string of exciting things coming here. So what do you got? Yep. So you launched pool party, you said on Sunday night. Um, and the token itself was actually airdropped to the holders of, I'm pretty sure gophers water team and what the pre pulse Maximus holders. Did I, did I yeah, miss any there? There were five, there were five there that each got 10, 10% supply. It was, um, so all Maximus holders as of the Pulse chain fork block. So if you held any, basically anything that I had built prior to then, if you had held it on that day, you got the airdrop. Um, okay. And then the airdrop also included people that participated in um, just what I viewed as the highest risk products that i have built so thing those are like with like so i guess to put that in perspective like things like the perpetual stake pool is like the token that's like backed by its underlying hex and redeemable that is very low risk like that's a very low risk thing but things sure. like like team for instance which was included in that airdrop that was a high risk thing. um water was even more high risk you got literally nothing really nothing for the donation you know so that was like high risk and that was from 2022. So there was nothing that went on with that for a while. And then, but, and then name claim was something where these name tag NFTs, people that wanted to organize pools, it basically let them um, buy these tokens at a flat rate. Um, and, and then you could also deposit extra ETH and, and basically allocate par part of the party supply. So those users were included in that. And then um, team and gophers were added kind of at the end um, because um, one, I mean, I, I, it's like, we, we felt like because gophers was really launched while we were waiting for the audit to get back. It was kind of like, it was kind of like this, um, and just because of like how enthusiastic people were about it. And because it was like a very high risk thing, right. um, I thought it'd be fair to include them and I thought it can, it could engage that new audience. So sure. that was, that, that was kind of why, and, and we actually got rid of this whole, rid of this whole phase and replaced it with a liquidity pool launch, kind of how gophers was. So that, so that whole gophers it's actually i think improved the party product whole because um we actually got rid of this whole pretty complicated launch phase that was okay originally scheduled so um 
kind of learned a lot from that Gophers launch. I think that the combination of, it, of making it where more people were involved in that airdrop, um, basically what, what, what it was is that the, the launch phase for like people who were going to mint the coin by doing deposits and something called the liquidity fund was basically replaced with like expanding the amount of people in the airdrop. And then, um, so, and then half the supply went into a liquidity pool. So that's basically the, the simple launch, um, that I think made it a lot more I, I, looking back and this was even like the third, like the third iterate, what party was going to be, um, if we had done the first, like the first like launch concept, it, it, I don't think it would have been, um, it, it wouldn't have built a good foundation. I think okay. it, it was because I mean, pool pool party was first an idea in like 2022, right after the pools, the state pools first launched. And so the, the, um, I think that the, the original launch thing, it was like 2022 thinking, but it's 2024 now and everything's different. So, yeah. um, we just try to take what we've learned from everything over the last couple of years and, um, put that into a, a a good a good launch process, which really the 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 whole premise, like what my core focus in designing that the launch of it of it was, what what will be both fair to everyone who had participated in these things, what rewards people for taking risk and being you know like positive contributors to the ecosystem, and also what leaves meat on the bone fun for new bus. Um, cause if all the gains just go to the people that were already there, then it kind of sucks. So kind of that whole like, you know, rewarding the long-term community members, which is like water, the team people, right. Rewarding the new people, which was the gophers. And then, then, you know, leaving opportunity for people who are not here yet. And that's the kind of the liquidity pool structure, the structure for the. Cool. So you, you can actually stake party. Um, can you explain the thought behind doing it for a hundred years and why you went that high, obviously, you know, not many of us will see the end of that one. So what was your thought behind that? Speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the thing behind that uh, one, I think mainly impact, like, cause the way that the, like the way that the stake system is built, there's real, there really is no like technical limit. Um, like with hex staking, the way that like the T shares and the yield is delivered, that one actually has a limit of how, how long it could be. The original hex contract was supposed to be, I think, 30 years. Um, but then in the audit report, it actually recommends lowering the max length stake to 10 years, years at gas consideration that I was talking about earlier with the stake pools. Right. And then they decided to do 15 years. Um, and so there really wasn't a limit, um, but it was more like a, I like being able to have, being able to tell someone that you can, that you can risk your money with a hundred year stake. I just kind of like that. So that was really all that went into the hundred year stake. And also I think, I think it's like, you know, whether or not all of us here today will actually realize that. Um, I think it's more of like a, a, a symbol of, and, and gestion of long-term thinking around all, all this stuff. And so it was, it's more, maybe, maybe that hundred year stake is, is more symbolic than anything practical. Um, but that's why that's why it goes up okay. status symbol kind of thing gotcha so um so the party token itself tell us about the use case for it and the auctions and how how that whole system kind of works yeah um, so um basically three things you can do with it you can either just hold it and if you hold it you get um you get a portion of all the yield or all so all the 
all revenue that goes into the party contract from any source, it works with any token, that is split up every week amongst party holders. So if you have 1% of the party that's liquid, not staked, because when you're staked, the coins are actually burnt. So they're not included in this snapshot that takes place every two weeks for the reward distribution. So you just hold it and then you earn yield. So no staking, nothing required. You simply you don't have to do anything. Just hold it in your wallet. Yeah. You have to okay. claim it after, after the fact, but right. um, you can let it just build up and you have like basically like a year and a half, like a year and a half um, before it kind of gets just flushed out of there, just leftover coins, which will mainly be liquidity pool. Like, cause liquidity pools may have a lot of the supply, but those of course can't claim. So um, it kind of just prevents coins that are in contracts from, from going, you know, the earnings in those from going to waste. So okay. Um, you can just hold it and hold it and then yield the, the yield sources currently are hex and calm the stake pools. Um, there's a half a percent fee that just goes into, uh, that goes to party. Um, and that is, and so it gets, so it gets the, it also gets the referral in calm. There's a referral aspect. The party contract is listed as the refer for the calm token. So. You get hex at the start and then calm at the end of a stake. And so there's, those are like the two known immutable, like guaranteed sources of yield. Um, but the, there's also a, a contract that was built um, that actually hasn't been deployed yet. It's called the token dripper. And that is designed to drip liquidity pool tokens into the party contract. And then those get distributed. And so, the way that the liquidity pool is starting is that it starts as a V3 pool, but over time it's going to be transitioned into um, into V2 liquidity positions, and then those V2 liquidity positions, which will have an equal balance of say Pulse and Party, those tokens, so those Pulse X tokens or those PHUX tokens, those will just be scheduled to be paid out back into Party holders, um, and so just as like bonus yield, and so the what I think is pretty cool about that is that because those LP tokens are an equal balance of value of both party and pulse, if party goes up massively, then those payouts that go into party in the liquidity pool token are going to have a ton of pulse. So this could actually be a pretty high pulse yielding um, asset. And so the liquidity pool, it it like those pool tokens are are very slowly kind of transition um, and. That's because I think that there have been some problems with coins that just like have a locked liquidity pool forever, especially V2. Um, and so it kind of gives some flexibility to where like you, you can give it that like thick liquidity pool will exist, that will exist for say 10 years. Um, but then over new liquidity pools and new liquidity things may appear. And so you'd want to relieve some of that economic energy. And so um, just, I think, dripping it out to users and letting them make their decision on what to do with it. Um, I think could be pretty high impact and it boosts the yield. So um, various yield opportunities from holding the coin liquid. Um, and then you can stake it and by, by staking, you're earning more party. So you're compounding your party, um, but you're not earning the hex com and those liquidity pool tokens as a reward while you're staked. So it's kind of a, like you have to design again and again to be a very decision. Like you should yeah. be, make a choice. Choose. Yeah. And then you can, and so those are like the, that's kind of the, the crux of it, like kind of this income distribution and like dual yield model that's built into it. But then the other aspect of it are these NFT auctions for those name tags. And the name tags are used as a way to kind of make, it's almost like a verification stamp of the hex of the stake pool. 
Um, and it, because the deployer only allows the stake pools to be deployed, deployed if you basically burn the NFT of the name, you like permanently lock that name in with that pool contract. Act. And so, um, that was more, that that's kind of for, you know, that, that, that's, if you want to call that utility, that's like the utility of that NFT. But, um, I, I think that it can actually be a pretty fun speculative thing with these NFTs that are minted in there. And the only way to mint them is through these auctions where it's where the winning is burnt and the bids are made in party. So if there's a lot of, of minting going on in these, um, or a lot of NFT auctions going on, that could be pretty deflationary on the party supply. So if those NFTs become valuable and people are wanting to bid on them, them then um, that, that can be you know, pretty, you know, that, that, that could, that could inflationary. Um, so those are like kind of the three main pieces of the party contract. And then there's the stake pools that they deploy. And those are like the normal hex stake pools. Like the, the normal, like the lucky and the. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Desi and all those. Now, Maximus does not restake, right? That was the first one that was built. That's the only one that's not a recurring type thing. Yeah, that's, that's the only one. Okay. So when you create a pool party token and so how many of them are like created now? Do you know, like how many or how many out there that haven't started yet that have oh, gone through the naming process? Let me see. Uh, so like 10 or so right now. So I think last I looked, there are about 13 pools that had been deployed and they're actually a lot shorter than I thought they would be. A lot of yeah. really good stakes. Um, and so yeah, there have been, I think, about 13 of them um, deployed. And yeah, so the, these ones repeat. Maxi does not repeat, but right. these ones do. These ones do. Um, and so, so you know, so now, because here, here's, I think, that the, the big insight that kind of broke through with me is that originally my thinking was that, like, you know, packing thousands of users into a single end stake, like, that's how you get people, people to have, and we're not in, like, no one is really required to pay. So that's, like, how you get, like, like zero percent fee, right? But then I, I was kind of thinking, and I think a lot of when the the base stake ended, that one year perpetual stake pool, the someone built a contract that ends uh, ends hex stakes, where if they're a perpetual pool pool or an HI or a stake that's created through this, this things, it basically publicly endable. Um, it can consolidate those into a single block and. By consolidating them into a single block, it actually saves, um, I think, like six cent on the fee for everyone combined. And so it kind of had me thinking that, like, at first my thinking was around, you know, maximizing the number of people that participate in each pool and maxing out the bigger pays better. But when you look at the bigger pays better, it's actually not that substantial, especially on long stakes. Right. Uh, and then also the, like, even if you save. 80 on your gas fee, like say there's five people in the pool, even saving, saving 80 per still, that's still a good deal. So yeah. um, it doesn't need to approach zero. And so that's why I think that like originally we were more focused on um, larger, less frequent pools, but now we've kind of decided to let the, let the cat out of the bag here. And then, uh, and then, you know, kind of allow the proliferation of these stake pools because right. They, you know, even even eighty percent savings is good. Cool. Mm. So I I think honestly I think the reason there's a lot of shorter ones than than that you're seeing in the new ones 
are because the 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 base and the trio and the lucky it kind of covers you know there's a lot of years that are covered there by one of those and, and i had a feeling that we would see a lot more of the shorter ones like the 30 days and 45 days um i think i my opinion anyway that's why we're seeing some shorter ones but so walk us through just step by step creating a pool party token and and that'll be all i've got for you okay yeah yeah and i i do have to go pretty soon but yeah so basically yeah. Uh, the first thing you need to do when you have a token is you um or to launch a pool you have to get the nft of the name that you want the name tag uh, so that's like step one and then you just go into on the dap there's a app there's a simple um thing where you can up upload the image put a name and a description and a ticker well the, the, the nft um and then you choose the just some of the parameters around the length of the stake and the length of the minting um and then you just click deploy and then it approves the nft to be transferred and then it so there's two transactions you approve t to be transferred and then it deploys the pool and then that's really it so it's very simple so at what part do the auctions come into play though so that's it... before the pools are, are launched so like to get the so right now there are oh my god there's one two three four five six uh six things up for auction right now go okay. hexanos hearts law hex pex party party and continuum at a hundred thousand party bid that's a thousand bucks it's a lot wow. wait how much is that more than that <laughs> nice yeah so that's kind of the the how those how that whole thing works wow. but i do have to go it was awesome talking to you guys we'll have to do this again soon yeah yeah, we appreciate yeah. you coming, man. I know it was a crazy week for you. I hope you can get some sleep here in the next couple of days, at least. I know you've been, you said you were on a blockchain bender, and <laughs> it's right. been a rough one. Yeah. Well, thank well, you so some, much. Get some yeah. Z's in. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, super hyped about Gophers and Pool Party, and we'll continue to follow the show. So uh, thanks a lot, Tip Catcher. We'll catch you, catch, catch you again soon and uh, keep checking in with you. So, Thank you. Have yep, fun, guys. Take it, yep, take it easy, man. So there you go, peeps. Uh, yeah, uh, that was very interesting. Um, lots of lots of awesome things going on. Um, just between those two things, pool party, uh, and it's interesting too. We walk that it's like, like he was kind of saying, like almost two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, I mean, on one end we have the NFTs, um, you know, buying fractionalized NFTs with ERC four hundred four with gophers and everything, and then on the other hand. Um, with pool party enhancing hex staking even more, you know, like he has already done with the other perpetuals and stuff. So um, really exciting on both fronts. I did buy some gophers the other day uh, and looking to continue to add to that stack. So very excited. Um, any, any other thoughts from you on the interview um, tonight? No, I, I enjoyed it. I, he, he's always, you know, I always enjoy talking to the, the big, big brain guys, man. they, the way they can yeah. come up with that stuff. And, and, you know, they were waiting for an audit and he comes up with another project, <laughs> you know, just yeah. that, that whole thing in general, it, it just, it just goes to show you, you know, they're always thinking um, he, he basically did that in, in a, a day or two. And, you know, he was obviously thinking of the idea before, but uh, it just goes mm -hmm. to show that how quickly he did it, launched it. And, you know, that, that's, that's pretty special. <laughs> Yeah, um, the Gophers launched within like eight hours of him yeah. uh, kind of really finalizing right. the idea. Pretty insane. Um, 
I wanted to yeah. ask him like which which AI he was using, but I don't want him to reveal his secrets, obviously. But yeah, I don't uh, want to go for secret sauce out there. Yeah, necessarily yet. Yeah, yeah, we would have some impersonators that might not be a good good thing too. So yeah. Um, it is awesome though, and moral of the story, um, just many reasons to feel really, really bullish right now. I mean, I know we've had a rough last couple of days, some of the candles and evidence by like we said, just some of the reactions by people on Twitter, but I, I think we're gonna be okay. Um, it is still February. Um, I know everybody likes to beat the drum about the Richard Hart comment before about fifty-two weeks to shake out the weak hands. Um, Pulse Chain did launch on May the twelfth of twenty twenty-three. Cannot believe we're coming up on a year in a few months um just seems unreal really how, how fast time goes but um uh let's take one more question here before we sign off for the night so Lickadash canada i need someone to explain gopher i bought tokens so how do i get the nft so i mean there's other things left out there um that we would need to know um but essentially if you have like dip catcher was saying you do have to have at least one full gopher to actually get the nft and i believe that it just uh, would appear in your wallet and then you are able to then what claim it on open sea then see this is where i always get sketchy but well, you don't I, have to claim it it just appears it would appear in your wallet you would have to you know register or not register but put your address into one of the nft viewers and, and you should be able to see it um i okay. think i think internet money had a nft viewer so if you were using internet money, um, you could view the, you just click NFT um, and it would show you what you have holding in your wallet. Like you said, though, you have to have a one full token. Uh, you can't have half of a, half of a gopher won't get you anything. But once you get that right. full one, it does mint and and you have it. And a good way, excuse me, of looking at it that I think Dipcatcher says is like, think of it like that you have all six, basically, you know, leading up to whenever you actually receive one, because you know, you're getting one, you just don't know right. which one it's going to be. So, um, yeah, but it makes them tradable too. Um, like we, you know, you talked to him about like people kind of gaming it to see like, oh, I didn't get a rare enough one. I want to try again and stuff. So I think there's a lot of benefits to be able to trade fractionalized pieces of these guys. So, um, Looking forward to see how this develops over the bull market. So, shout out Axis Alive. Um, yeah, with good stream. I think we've had a lot of uh, good stuff tonight. Um, I'm going to push a couple of topics to next week just because we've been going for a while and I think they're still applicable next week as well. So, sure. Um, if you guys are still here, do us a favor. We do this every Tuesday night. Usually start at 8 p.m. We did tonight at 7 to accommodate Dip Catcher. Smash the like. We appreciate all you guys being here. Support Real DeFi. Help support our channel. Support Gophers. And, uh, yeah, we, we just really appreciate it. So shout out all you guys. Um, any final thoughts from you tonight, Ewok? No, thanks to the chat. I see some new names in there. Um, Crypto Stylist. Yeah. I haven't seen her here, but we know who she is. And uh appreciate all the the new viewers that are making an appearance you know we appreciate it yeah very much uh i did see a lot of new names tonight so thank all of you guys we will catch you right here next tuesday night at 8 p.m eastern standard time so for crypto ewok this has been bro boy crypto on the creed of crypto podcast take it easy guys